loan officers. Join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation. So welcome, everyone. My name is Kyle Hershey. I'm the COO of the Mortgage Calculator, joined here by our president, Nick Hershey, and our sales manager, Jose Gonzalez. We are a correspondent lender that specializes in non-QM loans, and every Tuesday and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we do this loan officer training series where we do a training on different uh, loan type uh, or topic for loan officers. Today, we're going to be talking about how to originate an ITIN loan. So Jose, our sales manager with 28 years of experience as both a loan officer and a realtor, uh, has a lot of experience with this. We're based in South Florida as well. So a lot of experience here with this on Jose's end. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to him. So Jose, first, let's get into what an ITIN borrower is and let's talk about how we originate those type of loans. All right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Those of you that were in, on this morning's show that got to watch our, our podcast, got to see the great rates that we were that we offer for the ATIM borrowers, all the different combinations. So tonight we're going to give a little bit more detail. I know there's some of you that want to know what is this ITIN stuff all about. Well, what I will say is regarding ITIN borrowers, it is one of the hottest segments in the lending market, along with DSCR and bank statement loans. The, the chatter we've been hearing from those people involved in secondary is that there's a good amount of money flowing into DSCR bank statement and ITIN loans, which equals more money equals more liquidity right? That means guidelines will loosen up a little bit and the investors will want to get creative with their guidelines. You know, they'll loosen them up a little bit as there is more competition, right? Competition is good. We recently had some competition diminish in another segment of the market in of the lending market and almost immediately the rates increase. It's a very limited market. So how to originate ITIN borrower loans, right? So let's get right into it because there seems to be confusion, almost mystery about what is an ITIN, even what does ITIN mean, right? We hear of ITIN, ITIN, ITIN. So it's always good to know what we're talking about so that we can effectively do our job as loan consultants. So what is an ITIN, I-T-I-N, as in Nancy? It is an acronym for Individual Taxpayer Identification Number, right? So that's an easy one, ITIN. Now, it is not a substitute for a Social Security card, right? It's not, they're not interchangeable. It is only available for individuals with foreign or alien status due to the nature of the document. Why is that? Because the ITIN helps these individuals comply with U.S. tax laws and submit tax returns when required. Sometimes they just have, they could have different reporting requirements throughout the year financial reporting requirements, as well as they may need to file a tax return 
for income. Now, the I-10 does not authorize work in the U.S. That would be in an EAD card, the, the work permit. And the I-10 document, the it is a nine-digit, has a nine-digit number, same format as a Social Security number, except it begins with the number nine. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the I-10 borrower because um, this is like, I, I, we always like to expand on this. When we're talking about the four national borrowers, we always like to say, do not confuse them with the I-10 borrower. And when we're talking about the I-10 borrower, then vice versa, do not confuse them with the four national borrower. Now, the reason people confuse them all the time is because the one thing that both borrowers do have in common is that they do not have U.S. status. They don't have legal status in the United States. That means they do not have a work permit or an employment authorization permit. They do not have a permanent residency. They, they're they not considered non-permanent resident aliens, which is somebody with a work permit would be a non-permanent resident alien. So if I, if I were to break it down into different tiers, right, of status, of U.S.-based status, the bottom of the ladder would be the foreign national who has absolutely no status in the U.S., is not required to have U.S.-based credit for their loan, and cannot be deriving their income if they're going full dock from the United States. That's your foreign national borrower. That's at the bottom of the totem pole, let's say, right? Then one step up from that is the ITIN, I-T-I-N, the ITIN borrower, because now that ITIN borrower does have to have U.S.-based credit, right? That ITIN borrower does need to derive their income from the U.S., and the ITIN borrower does need to be residing also in the U.S. full-time, right? So that's what makes them one step up in terms, I guess, statuses from the foreign national. Then the next step up from there would be your non-permanent resident alien who does have a work permit, so they are allowed to work here in the U.S., they do get a social security card, which then also allows them to you know, claim their taxes, to hold the job with pay stubs and get W-2 income tax deducted and all that kind of stuff from their credit, from their payroll. And they can, for all intents and purposes, for lending, usually the non-permanent resident alien can do anything that a U.S.-based national borrower can. And then one step up from that, from the non-permanent resident alien, would be your permanent resident alien, and you, and then after that, you're a U.S. citizen. For lending purposes, those two have no difference at all for purposes of lending. The U.S. citizen and the permanent resident alien both have all the same lending rights and have all the same requirements to meet as well for any loan. 
So you see the bullet points there I already went over for the ITIN borrower. But again, to touch on the three most important ones, they need to live full-time in the U.S. They need to derive their income, whatever form of income that may be from the U.S., and they need to have U.S.-based credit. So what are the loan types that we're talking about here for the foreign, I mean, excuse me, for the ITIN borrowers? Well, we'll break it down into categories, right? First, let's talk about primary properties, right? If we're, if we're talking about uh, purchases, full dock, you're looking at 85% LTV max for for your full dog purchase. However, like I made mention of earlier, the TIN is not a social security card. So I don't think that pay stubs where they're deducting, having payroll deductions would be an option for the ITIN borrower, right? The ITIN full dog is usually going to be a self-employed full doc borrower, right? They have their tax returns and they're going to give you either one year or two years, depending on the loan option and the guidelines that we chose. So full doc is usually going to be self-employed, full doc, and not pay stubs and W-2s. You're looking on a cash out. Typically on these, your LTV is going to be reduced by 5% for the cash out. So that's also the case on our primary Full dock is going to be 80% LTV. And these are maximums and 85%. These, they, but these are the real maximum. Typically, the majority of the options you're going to find are going to be at 80% LTV on the purchase and 75% LTV on the cash out. Bank statement, again, we can go up to 85% LTV for the purchase and 80% for the cash out. 1099, due to there being a little bit higher risk, you're looking at max 80% LTV on the purchase and 75% LTV for the cash out. And the same for the profit and loss report option. That's 80% on the purchase and 75% on the cash out. And this is for primary. Now, where it gets really interesting now, this is where I can definitely tell you that the ITIN secondary market has opened up because we've been keeping an eye on ITIN. And previously, I'd say a little bit more than a year ago, it was very difficult to find an ITIN investment loan option. They were all typically, you know, primary and second homes, but then the market started opening up. A secondary started getting a bigger appetite. And now we have all of these great investment property options with full dock up to 80%. Bank statement up to 80% as well on your on your purchases. And 1099 is up to 75%. Profit and loss up to 75%. And really interesting here to note, DSER options on purchases also up to 75%, which is great. And if we're looking at some cash out refis on investment, the P&L, 70%. 1099, also 
and actually the DSCR. I didn't get to put it on there. But actually, no, that's 70% on the DSCR cash out, 75% on the purchase. So these are only 5% LTV lower for the DSCR option than for the national option. But again, um, there are not many options at 75%. Actually, I think I only found one. But we have it. We can offer it. I'll just reach out with any questions on that. But that is an amazing option there. Two to four unit properties also as well. I remember last year I was looking for a two unit bank statement investment property purchase for for the ITIN borrower. And I was having difficulties. Now we have up to 80%. The one option that I did find uh, was at 75% LTV. So here we have 80%, which is amazing. So let's uh, finish it up here with document requirements. This is also one of the areas where, where we find a little bit of confusion here. And this is where you really need to review the guidelines like you always do for the program option that you're selecting, right? The, the, I mean, it's all super important because, as we all know, in the non-QM world, not all guidelines are created equally. There, there is plenty of uh, deviations there between from one to the other. They choose whatever they decide, however they decide to do it, because whoever, you know, they're the ones that are buying the loans. So they're the ones that are going to dictate the terms on those loans. So really important to know, you need an unexpired ITIN document, right? That's going to be a card. There's going to be a letter. They need that document. Without that, you have nothing. You also need U.S.-based credit meeting the program guidelines, whatever those guidelines may be. For the ITIN guidelines, you're going to have their own guidelines. It's not going to be like you can just go to the general guidelines and then figure that this will work for an ITIN borrower either. No, that's not the way it works. You have to go specifically to the ITIN guidelines because due to the, you know, it's similar to the foreign national, right? They're going to custom tailor it to that product that product has an inherent risk due to certain deficiencies that are different from a from a US national based borrower so due to that there's going to be there is going to be certain differences so but definitely US based credit meeting the program guidelines now this is the one that throws a wrench in a lot of people's loan machine when they're doing an ITIN loan they need a valid unexpired identification. Now, here is where it varies because some ITIN loan options require that unexpired ID to be a passport from their country, right? I don't know why I'm there. There is their logic there because remember, this is all being tweaked, right? All of the, they're, they're creating guidelines for these loans as we speak, right? These guidelines are always evolving. So what, you know, that could be a vestigial trait left over from when they originally created these ITIN loans, but that, you know, the the need for the passport could go back to the fact of there being, well, you're not really here, but you are here. 
so they wanted that passport to be unexpired. Now, now what they're asking for in some cases is U.S.-based ID of any type, but it usually has to be state or federal. If they don't have the passport, it could be the U.S.-based ID, and it may need to be unexpired as well, which is, again, what is presenting sometimes a challenge. So I do recommend that when you are structuring your ITIN borrow loans, you pay specific attention. There, there aren't, as you can see, there are not very many documents that are out of the ordinary on an ITIN loan other than the unexpired ITIN and the ID having to be un, unexpired and usually having to be either a passport or state or U.S. or either state or federal ID. But those are the ones then that you have to pay specific attention to when reviewing the program guidelines to make sure that everything is okay, that you check off all the boxes. Now, regarding the income, it's really going to depend on the uh, income document type for the option that, that is chosen. So if you're going full doc, you get options usually for one year or two years. Two years usually going to have a little bit better pricing. Sometimes it's a quarter point. Sometimes it's a half a point better than the one year. But keep in mind, then you open up yourself to extending the review to a prior year. And sometimes that opens up a can of worms. So you're going to need two years of income, one or two years of income docs, and whether you're going full doc or whether you're going P&L, whether you're going bank statement. Now, if you're going DSCR, then that's great because then you don't need any income docs. Just check the cash flow for the property, confirm that if it's leased, that the current lease amount and cover at least 100% of the required debt service. Now, there, there may be no ratio options. I didn't look for a no ratio DSCR option where the DSCR is below 1.0, but definitely keep that in mind as well. If you're going DSCR, look for, see what the market rent is, or if it's leased, what it is, compare that to your proposed payment and see where you're at to make sure that you don't have any surprises. And if we are going DTI here, which would basically be full bank statement or P&L, then keep an eye on the DTI requirement as well, because I have seen in ITIN loans where in some program options, it is maximum 43% DTI and not 50%. So in like four that I reviewed while I was getting ready for today, just checking out the different guidelines, uh, they were two of them were at 43%. And the other two were at fifty percent. So it's it's whatever they decide how they want it. Because you, you have to remember, this is a, this loan is going to go into a loan package, right? And that package has a certain amount of risk built into it, depending on the loan types, and the income types, the borrower types that are in there. The higher the risk, um, the lower the price is for the person selling that package. So keep that in mind. So definitely we would have our DTIs here anywhere from 43 to 50%. In some cases, they may feel like they're offering some better terms in their guidelines, uh, When they're, in which case they may decide to only go 43% because they feel like they're giving you more uh, flexibility in some of the other parameters of the loan, in which case then they could tighten it up a little bit on the DTI or 
vice versa. You could have a higher DTI, but then have less flexibility on some of the other terms. So you see after you're structuring your loan, which is the best option for the borrower and for the loan. Because remember, uh, we do have a fiduciary responsibility to the borrower to always choose what will be the lowest cost option for the borrower and not the easiest option for us as a loan officer. Even though these DSCR loans, even though this is not just specifically about DSCR, but even though DSCR loans and the other alt doc loans are easier then when you're going full dog, that's not the reason why we would choose one of those options. We would only choose one of those options if it was the best one for the customer, depending on their specific needs and on the parameters of their loan, you know, their credit, their job type, income type, and all those good factors. So looking forward to helping you all structure some of your ITIN loans. Don't leave any money on the table. There's a lot of action there for ITIN. And you don't have to be bilingual to be able to service the ITIN market, even though it would help if you are, if you are bilingual, you would probably want to consider uh, doing some marketing for ITIN. But remember, the ITIN borrower does live in the U.S., does work in the U.S., and there's probably a good probability that they're also bilingual. All right. I don't see any questions. And we also did the uh, deep dive on it today as well, you know, earlier this morning on our daily rates live shows. You can check that one out as well if you want to look at what the rates may have been right now uh, on some of those programs as well. So go ahead, Jose. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, just come into mind as I was looking it over right before today's show, I was confirming the DSCR to make sure it was right because it seems so low. But it was correct. It was at a 75% LTV, but it was in like the high eights. And that's for an ITIN borrower, you know, DSCR, 75% LTV. That's that's amazing. Considering it's a product that one year ago wasn't even available for an ITIN borrower. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, we do this Tuesday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time where we go through a different loan officer training topics and we'll be back next week with a new topic. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Jose. Great presentation. We will see you all next Tuesday, 7 PM Eastern for the next episode of the loan officer training with the mortgage calculator. Have a great night. everyone. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Loan officers, join the mortgage calculator as an MLO for unlimited mortgage leads and up to 250 BPS compensation.